Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. big honor for me to be here. I'm really looking forward to tonight. And the title for tonight's sermon is The True Vine and the Branches. Are you abiding in Jesus? Who is Jesus Christ? How would you describe your your relationship with him? If you had to think of a few Describing words, what would it be? Is it a complicated relationship? Maybe it's a long distance relationship. You kind of know about him, but you keep him at a distance. Maybe it's a solid relationship. Maybe it's non existent. And I'm sure everyone here has experienced human relationships whether with a family member, a colleague, a friend, or a spouse. And who here can honestly say, without a doubt, that those relationships are perfect? I mean, we disappoint people, we let them down, others hurt us, and it's all just because of our sinful state, our sinful nature. We are broken. And I really want to encourage us this evening that Jesus is perfect and that he will never disappoint or let us down. And, and he actually wants to have relationship with us, even in our broken state. I mean, you, we, I mean, if we meet someone with a lot of baggage, we're a bit hesitant to really connect with that person if, if we not really know that person personally or it's, or it's not someone that's close. But Jesus comes and he wants to have relationship with us, even in our broken state. In John 15, Jesus refers to himself as the vine. This is the passage that we're going to read tonight. I want us to go through this passage and really dive into it, dive deeper into it and, and, and open it up. Because it's a beautiful passage that teaches us not only who Christ is, but also how a relationship with him looks like and what it means to abide in him. So this leads us to tonight's preposition. So the preposition for tonight is, because Jesus is the true vine, we must abide in him. Before we jump in, let me pray for us. Lord, this evening belongs to you. This sermon belongs to you. Lord, thank you for your word that gives life and that leads us in your ways. Lord, Holy Spirit, come and, and bring these words, take it into, us, into our hearts so that it may take root and bear fruit, Lord. Talk with us, speak with each one here tonight. Let your will be done, your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen. So the passage for tonight is John 15 verses 1 to 11, but be, before I, I start reading, I want to give us a bit of context about this passage. Now, the Gospel of John was written by John, who was also one of the 12 disciples who later became an apostle. And he wrote this 
gospel in approximately 85 AD. So we're talking about 50 years more or less after Christ ascended into heaven. And John's gospel is very special when you compare it to the other gospels, Mark, Matthew, Luke, because there is a the, 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 the theory that's most common is that Mark was written first and Matthew and Luke took Mark as a sort of reference point and wrote their Gospels from their own perspectives, filling in the gaps from Mark. And, Gos- and John is unique in this way because most of the events recorded in John we do not find in Mark, Matthew and Luke. So when John writes something, it's special because you know, in the others, you can always go to the other books and see, okay, what, what else fits into this event? John wrote this gospel for new believers, even seeking unbelievers. And the purpose for the book he gives in John 20 verses 30 to 31, he wrote it that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing we may have life in his name. So John focused a lot on the identity of Christ, who he truly is, and he focused a lot more on Christ's deity than the other Gospels. In in John we see that Jesus is referred to as the Word, the bread of life, the way, the truth, and the life, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the gate, the, the resurrection, the life, the vine. So the passage that we'll be reading takes place in that last week of Jesus' earthly ministry, that Thursday evening before he was crucified the Friday morning. And it was after the Last Supper when Jesus started teaching the disciples about the vine and the branches. And, And maybe they walked past the vineyard on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. We don't know. But this all forms part of the farewell discourse where Jesus was preparing his disciples to continue with his ministry after he left, or after he ascended into heaven. He was preparing his disciples. So with this context in mind, let us read together John 15 verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. 
And I, I love the, the New Living Translation Bible because it, 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 it illustrates or it highlights Jesus' words in red. And I mean, this whole passage is just red. And I can end the sermon right here and say, all right, guys, let's, let's apply this. Jesus has spoken. So reading this passage, we start with the first point. Because Jesus is the true vine, we must abide in a personal relationship with him. I am the true vine. This is the last of the seven I am statements that Christ made in the Gospel of John. As I mentioned before, the bread of life, the way, the truth, the life, the Son of God, the, the, the good shepherd. These are the I am statements. And what they do is they remind us of the encounter Moses had with God in the Old Testament in Exodus 3, when he asked God what his name is. And God responded, I am who I am. But what does this tell us about God exactly? From this phrase, I am what I am, we get the wonderful Hebrew name for God, Yahweh. Through, through focusing or, or, or highlighting this phrase, I am who I am, we get to see who God is, what is his identity, and what is his character. Through, uh, uh, through the phrase, I am who I am, we see that God is self-existent. He is not dependent on anything or anyone, yet we are so dependent on him. Furthermore, he is the creator of the universe, the one who sustains it. He is eternal. I am who I am. He is constant. He does not change. He is constant in his character. And when Jesus says that I am the true Fine. He points back to the Old Testament and he affirms his identity and character. Jesus is God. Like in Exodus 3, Jesus reminds us in John 15 verse 1 that we are dependent on him. He is not dependent on us, yet we are dependent on him. If we are rooted in him like creation, he sustains us. He gives us life. And also, Jesus does not change. He is constant in his character. And because he says, because he is who he says he is, we can abide in him. But what does the text mean when it says, when it calls us to abide? And interestingly, Jesus uses the term abide 10 times in this passage. And the fact that it's repeated so often highlights its importance. So what does it mean? The Greek word for abide, meno, it means to continue to be present, to continue to be, to remain as one. So what does it mean to abide in Jesus? It is when we are in a continuous, constant, personal, and intimate relationship with him daily. This is, practically this is done by continually or repeatedly repenting of our sin, by turning to him repeatedly, by opening our hearts to him, by speaking with him daily in our prayers, by reading his word. I mean, we can speak with Jesus more than only in our quiet times. We can speak with him when we are in the car or at work or washing dishes, walking with a dog. It is a open relationship. He is always available. We can always speak to him. 
And we are called to be completely rooted in Jesus and we can totally rely on him because this is not like a human relationship where someone can let us down or disappoint us or hurt us. Jesus is the true vine and this is an amazing relationship with God himself. He is perfect. He will not let us down or disappoint us. He is the constant in our lives and he sustains us. As we see how Jesus highlights the importance of this relationship, we see this, that, that repeatedly he calls us to abide in him. He knows how dependent we are of him and he wants to be in relationship with us. But there's also, there are also glorious results when we are abiding in this personal relationship with him. And the first of these results are, if we abide in a personal relationship with him, we will produce fruit. And we know what these fruit look like when we read Galatians 5, where Paul lists the fruits of the Spirit, and he begins with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And clearly, this, these fruits are good. Interestingly, the Old Testament in Isaiah 5 and 27 they refer to Israel as the vine because Israel, as the chosen people of God, were meant to be fruitful. They were called to be fruitful to do God's work on earth. But they could not do it. And Jesus is contrasted with Israel as the true vine because not only does he have perfect fruit, but he is the very definition of all the fruit listed in Galatians 5. So we know that Jesus as he is contrasted with Israel, he is the vine, and that it is only that people who are in him that can produce fruit, because it is he who produces the fruit in us. We absolutely cannot bear good fruit by ourselves. What we can do by ourselves is fall short, just producing either bad fruit or no fruit. We continue in sin or we carry on as the world is carrying on, that comes naturally to us. That's easy. That's what we do. It is only in Christ that we can bear good fruit. And continuing on without him, bearing either bad or no fruit, what is the point? At what cost? I mean, spiritually, such a person is dead, separated from Christ. And everything the person does without Christ, that is, that has no eternal or godly value. What's the point? I mean, anything we do without Jesus has no eternal value. And many people try to be good, try to do the right thing, to be honest people. But with what, Jesus, what Jesus is saying in this passage is that the only way to live a truly good life is to stay close to him, like a branch attached to the vine. But the important thing is, is that we have to choose this relationship with him. It's a daily choice. It doesn't come naturally. And I mean, he wants to be in relationship with us. He wants us to produce fruit. Furthermore, he doesn't want us just to produce little fruit, but much fruit. And how does God make this happen? If we abide in a personal relationship with him, 
we will be pruned. So in order for believers to bear much fruit, the vine dresser or the father prunes us. Those who do not produce fruit and thus those who do not abide in Jesus are removed, cut off, where they will receive divine judgment and be cast into the fire. Whether a person never gave his or her heart to Christ or whether the person superficially committed to following him, the end result is the same. No good fruit, fire. A true believer is one who bears good fruit and much fruit. And in order for this to happen, God must prune us. And as the Greek word used for prune, kethero, is sometimes used to explain or to, to, to mean to cleanse or to clean. So in a way, pruning it's a cleaning process whereby God cuts off that which it does not come from him and that which is not good for us. It can also be seen as a form of discipline where by pruning we grow in character and, we, and it strengthens our faith. Pruning branches is a painful process from the perspective of the branch, but it is very much but it is very much necessary nevertheless. It is better to be pruned than to be cut off. This is done that we can bear much fruit so that we can grow as healthy believers should. It is a growth process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not that the moment we give our hearts to Christ, we are instantly pruned and we're perfect and we go on. This pruning process continues throughout our lives. So what is the status of your relationship with Jesus? Is it healthy or unhealthy? What is keeping you from being in a close relationship with him? Are you allowing him to produce good fruit in you? Are you allowing him to prune that which is not from him? What activity is stealing from your time spent with him? What thing is above God on your priority list what interest is slowing you down from following him wholeheartedly? What sin is holding you back? Let God cut it off. And additionally, bearing fruit glorifies God. It is a form of praise and, for praise and worship. If a vine, vine dresser has a good-looking, healthy vineyard, he's going to receive compliments for the work in taking care of it. In other words, our fruit highlights the work that God has done and is doing in our lives. And it shows the world how people should interact with each other, and how people should live together. How will we know if someone is a disciple of Christ? By their fruits. What is the fruit in your life looking like let us nurture our personal relationship with him and know that we will be pruned but it is for the glory of God and it's good for us what other effect will our personal relationship with Jesus bring if we abide in a personal relationship with him our prayer life will flourish now how is this achieved you see because Jesus is the true vine and we can trust in him wholeheartedly this means that we can not only trust in him in his identity and his character but we can also trust in his teachings 
In other words, we should know his teachings and believe in it. Jesus gives us the instruction in verse 7 to let his words abide in us. This means that we should read scripture and let it sink into our minds, reason about it, then let it transfer to our hearts and transfer to our hands and feet. It, is, it goes from revelation to application. We must allow Jesus' words to transform our minds, our character, and our actions. The significance of reading the Bible on a daily basis cannot be underestimated. Now, what does Bible reading have to do with prayer life? Because when you read the Word of God, you learn who God is, and you, you, it reveals what his, his will is for your life. So you learn about God, you learn about His will. And as you continually, daily read in His Word, you grow in intimacy with Him in Scripture reading. And that intimacy transfers to your prayer life. Because now you start to know who God is, what His will is. You can then move and pray in unity with God. You can pray according to His will. You can pray that which pleases Him. And this leads to answered prayers. If we abide in a personal relationship with Him, our prayer lives will flourish, moving from self-centered prayers to Christ-centered prayers. Let us now look further into Jesus' teachings and whether there's something else to abide in. Because Jesus is the true vine, we must abide in His love. It is intriguing when one notices that love is the first fruit that Paul mentions in Galatians 5.22. And when we couple this with various passages on God's love, I mean the, the well-known one is John 3 verses 16, verse 16, for so God loved the world. And when we couple it further with Jesus' teachings on the law in Matthew 22, he highlights love of God, love of people. So we know that love is an integral part of God's character. In fact, 1 John 4 verse 8 teaches that God is love. So what happens when we abide in Christ's love? If we abide in his love, we will grow in obedience. And it's true that we cannot, that, that we cannot love God perfectly. We cannot obey him perfectly. Only Jesus could do that. But thankfully, God knows this, and he's, he is ever gracious. That's why we're not saved by works, but saved through faith in Christ. Yet, Jesus teaches us that abiding in his love means to obey his commandments. Love and obedience go together. I cannot say I'm a disciple of Christ or say that I love God if I do not follow his example, listen to his words and apply it. While we are in this personal relationship, we show our love by not only hearing his words, listening to it, but doing it, obeying him. And this is also a growth process. Like with the pruning, this is also a process that is throughout our lives. It does not happen instantly. And we know that we can't obey him perfectly, but 
We can try. We can do our best. As we abide in Jesus, we learn to follow him by living out what he teaches us and by repenting often when we stray from his teachings. This, is all, this all forms part of, of discipleship, walking and following Christ. And we can take heart that there is also much joy in abiding in his love and obeying his commandments. If we abide in his love, we will know complete joy. The love of Christ is perfect with, with the crucifixion serving as the perfect example of his love. To experience Christ's immense love is to know true and complete joy. This love is so much greater than the love between a husband and a wife or a parent and a child. Sometimes I find myself underestimating the love of God. When last have we stopped and wondered and marveled about the weight of his love? This reminds me of, of a song written by John Mark McMillan, How He Loves. And the lyrics are so beautiful in that it states that he is jealous for me, loves like a hurricane, I am a tree, bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. And then in the chorus, it continually repeats how he loves us, how he loves us. And this is cause for much joy. And this joy is not worldly joy. It's not based on circumstances. It's not based on emotions. It's not temporary. It's a deep, eternal, spiritual joy. Thus, if we abide in Christ's love, we will grow in obedience and know complete joy. God is looking for obedient and joyful followers. In conclusion, John 15 verses 1 to 11 is all about Jesus, about abiding in him, remaining in relationship with him. He is the true vine. When, when abiding in Jesus, we are able to produce fruit. We are pruned so that we are able to produce more fruit, which glorifies God and shows the world how disciples of Christ look like. This relationship also establishes unity with God in our prayer lives and lets us experience this complete joy of Christ by abiding in his love and obeying his commands. So let us go and nurture our relationship with Jesus. His desire is to be close to us. Let us continue to walk with him, allow him to produce fruit in our lives. Abide in him and abide in his love. So let's stand tonight and pray together. Let's close our eyes. Yes, Lord, thank you for your word, Lord, and that you are, are so good, Lord, that you want relationship with us. We that are, I mean, we are so broken and dependent on you, Lord, and still you want to be close to us. 
Your Lord, your love is indescribable, Lord. We cannot comprehend it. It's, you know, it's perfect, unending love. And before I continue in prayer, I want to challenge you guys tonight and really listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you. Listen to what He has highlighted through this passage. And if you want to reconnect with God or just talk with Him or just lay that burden on your heart before him you just want to acknowledge that you're dependent on him or that you want to be in closer relationship with him or whatever you're welcome to come to the front to come towards the stage and just in your own words silently pray towards god pray with god speak with him so you're welcome to come to the front and really react to what God is laying on your hearts and really react to what we, are, we, we talked about tonight. Yes, Lord, thank you for you know, just that you are speaking with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are present, that you are working. Lord, we... we glorify you as the true vine the one in which we cannot live without we need to be in a relationship with you we need to abide in you lord thank you that that you want us to to produce fruit good fruit much fruit lord you are so good thank you lord just for um, your grace and that you that, that you know that we cannot obey you perfectly but and, and, and know that we, we, we are um, imperfect but thank you Lord that, that your grace is sufficient for us we honor you for that and thank you for your love that we can abide in it help us to, to walk with you to continually grow thank you for the pruning work that you're doing in our lives Lord we we we, we know that you are in control and that you want what is best for us because you know what we need, when we need it. Lord, you are the true vine. We are the branches. May we ever abide in you and in your love. I pray that in Jesus' name.